something that God is going to do for all of you that are being baptized, but also for those of you that have been baptized, because the washing of the water by the word is a baptism, if you will, for those that have already been baptized. So every time you sit under the word of the Lord, you're being cleansed by the power of God, according to the book of Ephesians. And uh, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 3 today, and uh, I need to make this announcement um, for legal reasons. But next Sunday after service uh, is our annual business meeting, and uh, so we want to encourage you to be here. If you're unable to be here but would like to cast a vote for our board members, you can see me after I have the ballots in my office, um, and uh, we'll do that as soon as God is done in the service. Amen. I'm not going to put a time on it because you never know what God will do. But uh, I'm reading from John chapter 3, and I feel very strongly today that uh, this is a word from the Lord. Um, I'm going to approach, I am going to be preaching about baptism, just so you're not surprised. Um, But I want to approach it maybe from a different way than you may have ever heard before, because I believe that what's getting ready to happen today is the most important act that we can do. Now, that's not every preacher doesn't preach this. I'll just give you that hint right now, okay? How many, let me, for instance, how many have ever heard this statement? Baptism is simply an outward act of an inward change. How many have ever heard that? Okay? It's a whole lot more. Okay, uh, I am of the opinion, and I, and I believe that I can prove this scripturally, and I, I won't take, I could teach for hours on it, so I'm not going to do that, but I believe that baptism is the principal means of gaining new life, and uh, I want to share that with you today. John chapter 3, starting at verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. Except a man, everybody say, I have to be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, before I continue reading, I just need to let you know that word again in the Greek simply means from above. So except a man be born from above, he cannot see the kingdom. of You can't perceive it. You can't understand it. You can't hope to walk in it unless you are born from above. Amen. Now, that's not me. That's not church polity. That's not a church bylaw statement, although it's in our bylaws. That is the word of the Lord. And even more importantly than just the word of the Lord, these are red letters. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus says, except you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and don't know these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how are you going to believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And the man, and no man, this is important, hath ascended up to heaven, but that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And uh, I, I want to just minister the concept of being born again to you today. Would you just bow your heads and just ask the Lord to minister in this house today that open up our hearts and minds. Lord, I'm asking you for the spirit of revelation. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would fill me up and pour me out. I'm asking you to help my voice. I'm asking you, Lord God, to help us to receive what your word says today. I believe it in all of my being that you're wanting to do a brand new thing in people today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Amen. Now, I, I need to make some clarifying statements, which, by the way, I, I just need to pause just for a second, because we do have a special guest that happened to walk through the doors today, and that's Pastor Joe Nagel. Thank you for coming. He's a longtime member of this church, built a lot of the old church, and so I apologize. I meant to say that earlier. I'll just interrupt my message, but thank you for stopping in. He was in town for a wedding, and, and uh was able to come by and, and be with us today. So thank you, Pastor Joe. I'm asking God for a revelation of what it means to be born again. I have been a part of the church just about my entire life. The first five years, I had a grandmother that would drag me to church. And then God got a hold of my dad, and, and, and I've told you that story about him quitting hockey and starting to go to church, and then he dragged me to church. And then I got married, and she dragged No, I'm just kidding. I, I've been going to church just about my entire life, and for the first 35 years, if you will, I was so worried about heaven and hell that I missed Jesus. Because what I would hear preached all the time is you better be ready for the rapture. You better be ready and have all your ducks in a row so when the trumpet sounds, you can go to heaven because you don't want to go to the other place. And so for 35 years, I focused solely on what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be ready to go to heaven? In fact, if you didn't do the math, 
I'm only 51, so I'm in my 34th year of ministry, so you can tell that I was preaching the gospel for half of my ministry with the thing in the back of my mind, I've got to get people to heaven. I've heard messages upon messages. Just bring somebody to heaven with you. Whatever you have to do, get them to get to heaven. Can I just tell you about 15 years ago, the Lord convicted me and said, who said it was up to you to get the people to heaven? I, 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 I don't throw words loosely around when I say that God directed me or God impressed me or God said to me, but I believe wholeheartedly that the presence of Almighty God spoke into my spirit and said, who are you to think that you can figure out how to get to heaven? I'll just tell you, that kind of throws a minister's career path. When the church is all about getting to heaven. And what I have come to realize, and I have said it before, so some of this will be repeated for some of you, but I have come to realize that heaven is not my destiny, it's my destination. And when I don't concentrate on my destiny, then I'll miss my destination. But if I realize what my destiny is, then I'll get to the destination regardless of what happens. Can I tell you what my destiny is? My destiny is Jesus. And if I can just get to Jesus, and I can just begin to know who he is, and I can have a relationship with him, then it doesn't matter what checklist I have to have. If I am in hand in hand with Jesus, just got something to tell you, Jesus is going to heaven. And if my hand is in the hand of the master, that's where I'll end up. And so... When I preach this today, I'm not preaching about heaven or hell. I'm preaching about Jesus. I'm preaching about God manifest in the flesh. I'm preaching about the great creator of the universe who became a young baby for me so that I could get back to him. And so I need to share because it's Jesus said it, unless I'm born from above. I won't even be able to perceive the things of God, let alone get to the things of God. And so I began a journey at the age of 35, asking Jesus, well, okay, if I'm not supposed to figure out how I'm supposed to get to heaven, what do I start preaching now? Because I've just got to tell you this, and, and, and I don't want to say disparaging words about anything else, but the way I was raised, unless you repented of your sins, baptized in Jesus' name, baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you had no chance at heaven. It was considered the Acts 2.38 doctrine. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in Acts 2.38. But I believe wholeheartedly that the Bible is bigger than Acts 2.38. And so I begin to ask God, God, you've got you've to make this understandable to me. Because what I see in Scripture 
is that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is simply a gift. What Trish talked about at the beginning of this service is his gift to us. And if it's his gift to us, how can you hold your gift to me as a requirement for me to get to you? And and so I began to read Acts chapter 2. And I grew up quoting Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But then I would always stop. But do you know what verse 40 says? And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And you want to know what? For the vast majority of my ministry, I just ignored verse 40. Because I was raised saying, there's nothing that I can do to earn salvation. There's nothing I can be to be saved. But can I just tell you that there is some things that we can do to save ourselves? I know I'm throwing some of you here maybe for a loop a little bit. So just keep walking my journey with me here. I began to ask, God, what does it mean? God, when I tie that together, verse 40, with John chapter 3, and you said, except man be born again, and and I can't even get into see and perceive what you're all about. Tell me, God. And then it hit me. Now, see, you have to understand where I was raised, and, and some of you do. And I know Keith and Marver back, they understand. But from 20, I was going to say 2012. I wasn't, when I was 12, not 2012. When I was 12 years old, from the time I was 12, 11 or 12, yeah, because it would have been about 83, 84, about 11 or 12 years old until I left school in, um, uh, no, it was 1988. When I was 18 years old, I left for college from 11 or 12 to age of 18. Sunday morning, Sunday school, 10 to 11. Sunday morning church, 11 until whenever pastor decided he was done. Some of you think I preach long. Tuesday evening Bible study. Thursday evening service. Friday evening youth, do you want to know the one topic that was preached by my pastor for all eight years, what seemed like 50 services a week? Paul, he's laughing because he was there. Was the oneness of God, how God manifests himself in flesh. And for some reason... I was so dense in my mind that from the age of 18 to 35, I believed that, that I, I still believe that doctrine, I believed that doctrine, but I didn't put that doctrine together with my new birth. Because here's what I was taught and here's what I believe. I believe that everything that the man Jesus did, who was divinity wrapped in humanity, and I'm going to share to you for a minute, in a minute just why he did this. But for all of the time that he walked on this earth, he submitted himself as a human to all of the rules and laws of his deity. 
And so I asked a strange question to God when I was 35 years old. If your word says, if except a man be born of again or from above, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, when were you born again? Boy, that's quiet. Sometimes I talk to the Lord like that. He already knows what I'm thinking anyhow. I might as well just share it with him. When were you born again, Jesus? If you're restricted to the laws of humanity and you can't grasp after, even though you were allowed or you, it was your right, you didn't grasp after deity, when were you born again so you could enter the kingdom? And Jesus whispered, the same time you do. I said, okay, that's helpful. When was that for me? And he brought me to the passage where Jesus stepped into River Jordan and looked at John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, you're supposed to be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, uh-uh, that scripture might be fulfilled. I need to be baptized of you. And so Jesus went down in the waters of baptism. And the Bible says when he came out of the water of baptism, that the spirit as a dove, it wasn't a dove, it was the spirit as a dove. The spirit settled down on his humanity and remained there. And God began to whisper to me, your birth is the same as my birth. When you're baptized in my name, the Bible says whatsoever you do in word or deed, do, in all, do it all in my name. So when we baptize today, we're baptizing in Jesus' name. He also said that when you are baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Can I just tell you that means you're going to get a name change today? Can I just tell you that biblical days you were referred to as the son of whoever your father and mother were? I, it, my, my, in, in this day and age, I would be Tim Penn Franklin. My, my dad's name was Franklin. But when I came up out of the waters of baptism, because I was baptized into Jesus, when I came up out of the waters of baptism, the Bible says you have put on Jesus. My name changed from Tim Ben Franklin to Tim Ben Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ. All of my old stuff is washed away. All of it's eliminated. And I am brand new. This is why I am such a proponent of water baptism because I don't believe it's just an outward act of an inward change. I don't just believe that it's for church membership. I don't believe it's just for a public demonstration that God changed your life. What's getting ready to happen to you that are being baptized today, you are going down in one nature, you are coming up in another. You are going down in one name. You are coming up a brand new person. You may have been a criminal. You may have been an addict. You may have been a hater. You may have been an arguer. You may have been an impatient person going down. But when you come up, you are blood washed, blood bought, pure and holy, justified in his presence. You are a brand new creature in Christ. 
Okay. Oh, my. She preached too long today. I'm teasing. <laughs> I shared this a little. I think it was last week. My Sundays are running together. But I shared a little bit. And I so appreciated Paul's lesson today because it just reaffirms what I'm getting ready to say. In Genesis chapter 1, when Jesus, when Jesus, when God creates us, when he forms us of the dust, and he creates us in his image, he looks at man, not just the male, but man, mankind, humanity, and, he's, and he does some things. He gives to man authority, dominion over all of the earth. And he gives a commandment to multiply the earth. And what that tells me is that when God gave the authority and dominion over the earth and then told Adam and Eve to re- uh, multiply the earth, that, that, that authority and that dominion was going to be handed down from generation to generation throughout mankind. And so you have to understand that it, it, the, the, the things of the world have been given to you and me. Now, that sounds kind of neat, but you want to know what it also says? I think it's Romans chapter 8. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, he doesn't give you something and take it back. Whether you mess the gift up or not, whether you blow it or not, when he gives you something, he never takes it back. Okay, you, you just hold on to your seat buckles because you, you need to grab a hold of this. This For you that are getting baptized, this is going to totally change your perspective about what is getting ready to happen. And those that have been baptized, it's going to totally change your perspective on when you were baptized. Because God, deity, gave humanity the authority and the dominion of the earth, He was setting up a legal structure that said it was according to humanity that all dominion and authority would be operating on. Do you understand that God didn't name the animals? You can thank man. Not just Adam, because there's been some species that have shown up since then. I am going to talk to whoever when we get to heaven about naming box elder bugs. My wife might kick him out of heaven. I don't know. Man, you and I. So God sets this legal structure up that says any spiritual dimension that wants to operate on the level of humanity on the earth has to go through mankind. It has to go through the dominion and the authority of humanity because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Now just hold on here. Don't, I'm not being crazy, and, and I'm going to tie it together. But when you do that, this is why I know that Satan is a liar and a cheat and a thief and a robber. 
because he had no way of coming into the realm of humanity. He stole a body, and the body that he stole was a serpent. And I don't know what that serpent looked like back then. It seems to me when I read that it may have even had legs. But he stole a body. And he went to Eve. And notice that Eve begins to talk to a serpent. And when she listens and she and Adam, mankind, commit a sin against the spiritual dimension of deity by eating of the one tree that God said that they could not eat of. It says that then all of a sudden everything changed. And the serpent was cursed to crawl on his belly the rest of his existence. Here's what I'm saying is Satan entered human humanity illegally because that's what he does. John 10 says he's a thief and a robber. They break in. They don't get permission. They just show up. But he couldn't show up as an angel, uh, which is what he was created as. He couldn't show up as a spirit being because spirit beings were not allowed to coexist with the human spirit because God put a gap when he, re- when he relinquished the control or the dominion and the authority by giving it to Adam and Eve. And so the devil had to, to take a body illegally. Now listen to me. God always does what's right. And so the reason why deity overshadowed Mary was so that they would conceive and Jesus in human form would not come illegally into that which God created, but he would step legally into humanity because he was born into it. He didn't steal his way in. He didn't rob his way in. Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And a child was born and they named it Jesus, the God-man. God manifest in the flesh. He entered this kingdom legally. So when you read about the sonship of Jesus all through the New Testament, what's that really describing? I'll tell you what it's describing. It's describing the legal terms that God went through so that you and I could sense what we sense today. Because we don't understand it. Because we've only been here since he was born. Before he was born, people didn't feel the Spirit. Because the Spirit could not legally step into the realm of humanity. So get this. So now God, walking around like you and me, having to have somebody change his diaper, blow his nose, correct him and discipline him. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature. And he started his ministry, and he did all of that so that you and you and you and you and me could someday be born back into a spiritual world that we were kept out of. 
so Jesus steps on the scene and he comes to Nicodemus. And this passage makes a total different meaning to me now when he says, unless you're born again or born from above, which lets me know this, if you're just trying to check off a laundry list to get into the kingdom, you're missing the point. You're trying to get to the kingdom like, the, uh, uh, like Satan did to humanity. You're trying to rob a system. You're trying to be a thief in the things of God. You may be doing it in good conscience, but when you lay down a laundry list of things that you must accomplish, you're trying to step into the kingdom without being born into the kingdom. And so Jesus says, you must be born. Now we give Nicodemus a hard time when he asks the crazy question, well, how can a man go back into his mother and be born again? I think that I think that the Lord allowed that question to ride to give you and I an example. Now, I was blessed, kind of, to be in the birthing room when those two came along. Can I tell you the two things that I remember the most? Now, my wife was a diabetic, so we never even tried natural childbirth. It was all C-section, which is a totally different ballgame. I I get all of that. And I don't want to be gross and disgusting, but I I need to paint this picture for you. When these two boys were born... I was sitting up at the head of the table talking to to my wife until she got tired of talking to me and talked to the anesthesiologist instead. And I'm watching as two doctors. There's the curtain up, so I can't really see anything, but there's two doctors on the other side, and they're reaching in to grab these two that just like to swim a little. But you want to know, that, remember, as I, again, now I had these two when I was a little bit older in age, okay? He came just before we came here. He came six years earlier, so I was 33, just not even 30, well, not just about 33 when he was born, okay? And so I wasn't even 33 when he was born. But here, so here's what I remember. I remember two things, well, three things. I remember, number one, there was a lot of water. Number two, there was a lot of blood. And number three, there was a lot of screaming. Not by her, by them. Water, blood, screams. Why? Because you can only be birthed through water and blood. And you get your spirit when that doctor just kind of pops you a little bit and the air comes into your, your lungs and you let out a scream, can I just tell you that natural birth 
is a symbol or an example of spiritual birth. If you are born into the authority and the dominion of man's level, of the level of humanity, if that's how you are born, through blood and water and screaming, it, it, the likewise you are born into the kingdom world in similar fashion. It's the reason why he said that you needed to be born again of water and of the Spirit, knowing full well that the blood has already been shed at Calvary. So when you mix the blood of Calvary and the waters of baptism along with the moving of the Spirit, you are born into an eternal kingdom of Almighty God and you cease to be a natural person and you become a spiritual being. Oh. I'm done with checklists. I I, I can't operate by them anymore. I'm all about relationship. Can I just tell you how solid our marriage would be if I went home this afternoon? I haven't even gotten to it yet. If I went home this afternoon and I pulled out my Excel spreadsheet and said, you just need to do this, 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 and this, then I'll be your husband. Now, your reaction tells me how you think that would go over. But can I tell you that that's how we live our lives in the Spirit? Our groom does not have a laundry list of things that you've got to do. Our groom wants to have a relationship. And out of that relationship will spur actions and attitudes and doings and beings that will make the relationship stronger. There are some things that I do with my wife, not based on an Excel spreadsheet, but based off a loving relationship that has been nurtured and worked on over years and decades together. And now that we've got this relationship, I see now that when I am born again, I step into a relationship with my groom. And I don't serve him based off of thou shalt, thou shalt not. I I serve him based off of a relationship that says, how can I please you today? How can I meet your, what you want me to do today? Can I just tell you, let me just give you marriage 101 just for a heartbeat. If we would spend more time asking the other, what can I do for you today? Now, uh, I'll deal with that on Saturday. You must be born again. You must be born of the water and the spirit. Now, can I just, I need to close this down because there's some of you that have church backgrounds that I need to address this. Can I just tell you that the birth of the spirit is not the baptism of the spirit? I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She talked about it earlier. When you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives you utterance. But that's not the birth, and I'm going to share the reason why really quickly, and then we'll be done. In John chapter 1, verse number 12, 
But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, I've got to tell you two things. Number one here, to as many as received him, to them gave he power. I, I, I want to make a statement, and I don't want to blow any theological bubbles, and I don't want to trouble any of you, but I've got to say this because I'm your pastor and I'm getting ready to baptize you in Jesus' name. How many of you have either prayed a sinner's prayer or asked Jesus to come into your heart? That's awesome, but that doesn't make you born. That doesn't make you born again. That's a step. I'm thankful for it, but God has something greater and deeper and more powerful because here's the thing. When you receive him, when you accept him as your savior, it's you pulling heaven to earth. And when you pull him from heaven to earth by receiving him as your personal savior, he in turn plants something in you. The Bible says he gives you power to become. It doesn't make you at that moment, but he gives you a power to become the sons of God. You don't become a son or a daughter of God until you're born into the kingdom. And when you are born into the kingdom, it's not by blood or bone or flesh or the will of man, but of God. Which lets me know that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not the new birth experience because the baptism of the Holy Ghost, according to John chapter 7, is the spirit of the risen Christ that comes into our being and resides with us. But Jesus was a man who had blood, who had flesh, who had sinew, who had his own will. He had to pray, not my will, but thy will be done. So that spirit can't be the new birth of the spirit. So when do you know that the spirit of God comes from heaven and remains? When you come up out of the waters of baptism, just like Jesus. Our mission statement in this church is to be spirit-led, spirit-filled, uh, spirit spirit-led, and Christ-like. You are as close to Christ-like the moment your head breaks through that water because you are a brand-new baby in him. His name is applied to you. His anointing is applied to you. That dominion and authority is restored to you because you've been born into the family. I need to stop. Give me one more minute. I, I, I'm sorry, but Romans 6. Somebody needs to hear this, and then I'm done. And then we're going to baptize you, and we're going to celebrate, and the roof is going to come off this building. 
What shall we say then, Romans 6.1? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Can I tell you what happened when you received Jesus or you asked him to come into your heart? What you were really doing was repenting. And repenting is an act of death. It's an act of sacrifice. If you have received Jesus as your personal Savior, you are a dead man walking. You're kind of in the middle. Your old nature has been crucified with him, but you're getting ready to get a new nature. Know ye not that so many of us as marked every list in the Bible that kept all the thou's and thou shalt nots. That's not what it says, obviously. Know you not that as many as us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into his death? Can I tell you in just a moment, there's nothing magical about the water. I've said this every time. It's Coon Rapids Tap, and it's not very good. But God's going to make it good. But when I get over you and in just a few minutes, I'm going to have you plug your nose and I'm going to lay you down as if I would lay you in a grave. Because as I lay you down into the water, it is symbolic of laying that dead nature that you've already repented of into a, a watery grave. And when you go down, the Bible says, if you've been buried with him in baptism, you have been buried into his death. As I put you into that water in the name of Jesus Christ, All the power of Calvary is yours. Listen, this is just not a ritual of the church. What's getting ready to happen is a spiritual breakthrough of the birthing center. What's getting ready to happen is brand new babies are going to be born into the kingdom. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It doesn't take but a second. I'm not going to hold you out down and under the water till all the sin was going to be gone because it would take some of us a long time. And you can't hold your breath that long. But when I put you down under the water, I'm burying you in Jesus' name so that when you come up out of the water, just like that Sunday morning Easter some thousand years ago, a stone is going to be... Listen, the stones of your life are getting ready to move. The obstacles of your life, the things that have been holding you in the cave are getting ready to move so you can step out of your tomb as a brand new creature. I invite you to stand. I'm going to dismiss the people being baptized in just a second, but I've got to say one more thing. You've got to hear this, Pastor. You've got to hear me right now. I don't want any of you to walk away from here after being baptized. And I don't want any of you that have been baptized. You've got to get this vocabulary out of your head. You are no longer you. 
So if I hear any of you look at me and say, I'm just a sinner, I'm no good, I've messed up too many times, my God, I may lay hands on you right there because you've got to get this revelation. You are stepping in to a new creation. You're going to be a blood-bought child of God. It's the reason why our Chain Breakers Ministries say, I am a child of, I'm no longer an addict. I may struggle with some of that stuff. I may be tempted by some of that, but that's not who I am. I have been washed in the blood. I have been buried in his name. I have risen a brand new being. Oh, this is the spirit of restoration. This is what we have been preaching. This is what we are all about. We are about new creatures in Christ. You're not what you were anymore. He's already done a great work in you, but here in just a minute, when you come up out of the waters, Brian, it's going to be a brand new experience. I, it's going to be a brand new being. I, I challenged the last time we baptized I challenged anybody to come up out of there without trying to smile. I had one person take me up on it. He came up out of the water and he did this kind of thing. I said, you might just want to just give up. And the smile. He couldn't do it. Why? Is it because I did it? No. Is it because it's what? No. It's because you are brand new. You are going to feel lighter when you come up out of the water. Here's what we need to do. I need to dismiss those that are being baptized. Renee is right back in the corner.